right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility. And we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. All right. Welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. Remember, because you're here, because you're on In Your Corner, go out to corephysicaltherapy.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concern, that is your number one location to get information fast. Jen. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Well, <laughs> thank, thank you for you. having me on. <laughs> well, thank you for being on because it is, by the way, I'm, I'm here in Louisiana and the weather is absolutely stunning. You're in Alabama. I bet you it's nice and it, it's, it was it's stunning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it was very windy yesterday. It blew in very fast, but um, it's nice and cool today. A little crisp <laughs> air. You, we're starting to feel some fall. I'm here yeah. for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right, man. It is dry and you're sitting yeah. going, Oh yeah. I feel a little can... bit more energetic and I'm ready to yes. roll. And of course, <laughs> if you're out on the video, you're going to notice that Jen has a road coat and she also <laughs> works for Amazon and it doesn't take a detective to make sure that you understand that she works for Amazon because she, well, she's got Amazon on her. Just a little bit. Safety vest. Go, go team. <laughs> Safety first, baby. Always. Safety first. Always. <laughs> Not third. Like maybe in my, li- in my house, it's third. <laughs> Your house probably first. I won't tell. <laughs> Yeah, really. All right. For the listeners out there, Jen, that's two N's. Jen, Jennifer, Jen, two N's. Give us a little background on who a Jen Brown is. Yeah. So I'm a certified athletic trainer, uh, University of Alabama graduate and University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign graduate. So I got my master's um, way back when in uh, 2009. And um, I don't even go way back when when you're talking (laughs) to me. My gosh. It's like... (laughs) Oh, Scott, you can way back winner than you. Hey. You know, uh, here's the thing. I'm hitting the, uh, this year will be the 20 year mark from being out of high school. And you know, that's a pretty good milestone, right? 15 years out of college so, or out of undergrad. So, um, celebrating some milestones this coming year. <laughs> there you go. I'm here I, for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear you. Man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just, just know your audience. Me. Uh, touche. Primarily. <laughs> As I have a yep. hard time growing. Okay. So here's a little interesting thing. If you're listening out there, the certification is ATC, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, but it's that athletic trainer certified. It should be CAT. It should be. It should be. But they, they went with ATC, um, but certified athletic trainer is what we call it. So a lot of people call us trainers and that that's like nails on a chalkboard nowadays. Um, it, it's an old school term that has hung around for a long time, but uh, it's athletic trainer, not just trainer, because you can train a lot of things. You can train a horse. You can train an elephant. Boy, that is you true. can train a human. It also could be an air traffic controller. If you want to just sort of shift your ATC to that, right? which is also right. cool too. You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Come on, man. you, you win both ways, right? All right. So what makes this an interesting conversation? You listeners out there, we're talking uh, Paralympics and uh, Jen has been very fortunate to be able to be involved with uh, Paralympics. She was in Tokyo, which is cool. That's always cool. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. uh, so we're going to go down that road. Uh, 
a stat that sticks out, and you're going to have to sort of explain it to me a little bit, is that saying 50% uh, worldwide have have some sort of disability. Define that. Yeah, so um, there, there are all types of disabilities out there. There are mental disabilities. There are physical disabilities. Um, I'm very lucky that the population I get to work with is the, the physical disability category. So I do on the side, I am the athletic trainer for USA Women's Goalball. and say visual impairment sport in the Paralympic side of things. And, um, you know, a lot of people put the Paralympics and the Special Olympics together when really they are two separate things. You've got um, the Special Olympics is more catered to the the mental disabilities. Um, You see a lot of people with Down syndrome competing in that and a whole lot of other um, disabilities there. But the Paralympics um, was actually created to be parallel to the Olympics. So the para part of it has nothing to do with being paraplegic. And that's why you see um, all different types of physical disabilities out there. You see amputees, you see visually impaired, um, you see wheelchair users. Um, so it, it's, there's a common misconception there. Don't tell a Paralympic athlete that they're a special Olympics athlete. It's like not good. Um, it's like saying you're wrong. a trainer it's, yes. it's a, <laughs> along the same lines. If it, yes. if there, there's nothing wrong with the special Olympics. There is, that is a great, great thing, oh, but they are two separate things, right? Like they are our Paralympic athletes. They compete and train just like Olympic athletes do. And I would even argue sometimes harder. <laughs> and, and no offense to my Olympic yeah. counter and my Olympic friends out there, but uh, I, there's some special love for the Paralympic crew and how hard they do train. So very important to uh, get that distinction going for sure. I just, uh, well, you're sitting around one time and you're just saying, Hey Jen, <laughs> I'm an athletic trainer. I want to be involved. Did, how did you come across uh, Paralympics? And by the yeah. way, thank you for defining Paralympics because I, yeah. I just, I didn't know that. Yeah. It Make note of it, listeners. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, no. So when I was at Alabama as a student athletic trainer, um, don't they say had it. Don't, don't t- go, go ahead. Say it. Go student ahead. trainer. No, <laughs> roll, roll tide. I, I had people oh, roll tide. Most definitely roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> yep. So when, uh, when I was in my, in between my second and third year in the program, they have a student internship. A lot of my classmates went and did NFL, NBA, all these different really cool internships, but I knew that that was not really the path I wanted to go. And so I was kind of looking for out of the box options. Um, actually had a grad assistant at the time mentioned the Lakeshore Foundation in Birmingham. And uh, I, I contacted them. Turns out they had two athletic trainers at the time. And so I was like, hey, would y'all be interested in having an intern over the summer? And uh, they entertained the idea. So I went down to Lakeshore, spent uh, several weeks over there. And uh, it's really cool. I got introduced to wheelchair rugby, which if any of you have seen the, the documentary Murder Ball, uh, highly recommend if you have not. Mark Zupan and that crew. Um, I got very lucky. I got to work with that team um, at, as an intern. And uh, it's funny, Dirty, their athletic trainer, aka Jim, um, he goes by uh, Dirty. And uh, he taught me the ways of the wheelchair rugby world. And it, it opened my eyes to a completely different set of athletics that just lit a fire. They absolutely lit a fire. And uh, I, so that I, just kind of started the wheels in motion. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just telling you right now, I, I'm a big fan of rugby. I just, yeah. Think. Yep. It's I don't a great care. Sport. I'll take it in any, any <laughs> form I, I can get it. And I remember uh, I can only imagine what it looks like. In, in a wheelchair form. Now, it, YouTube, it's not man, only you, you got check it out. like, like <laughs> the traditional uh, uh, rugby. Okay. You get it. 
But now you introduce wheelchairs, which have a tendency to probably be weapons sometimes, right? They and are, like, and oh, they outfit man. them out. They outfit them out. They're uh, like tanks. They're rolling tanks for sure. They have to be. It, <laughs> uh. If you want to go watch some cool videos on YouTube, go watch the games, but also just look for wheelchair rugby hits, and uh, you'll see people flying all over the place. It's no a good time. kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, I see. That's just that's a whole nother conversation. I, right. I have to ask the question, <laughs> like, how big is the field? I mean, what, like what, they play what? on a basketball court. So it. because it's wheelchair, oh, they play on a basketball court. And, yeah. Yeah. So you, <laughs> some speed is had. <laughs> and so here's the thing, too, about wheelchair rugby. So it is played by um, you have to have a disability in all four limbs. So that may be you're an amputee of all four limbs, or you may be a quadriplegic. And a lot of people assume that quadriplegics are stuck in a bed. They can't move because they've broken their neck and they can't move. But actually a lot of quadriplegics function day to day. And some of them play wheelchair rugby. <laughs> uh, that's, and, and, and with that, uh, you know, physical disability, the, the, the drive, the determination, the heart to mm -hmm. be able to do that is, is, is inspiring. Just, I can only imagine. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. And a lot of these guys and gals, um, this was a sports, a way to, to, to live, right. Like it's a way to get back to life and to a sense of normalcy. And that the, we, the 15 campaign, the, the, yeah, um, yeah. international Paralympic committee is uh, sponsoring right now. There's a lot of drive to get people to understand these are everyday people, just like you and I, um, the only difference is they may ambulate differently. They may not see as clearly, or they may not hear as well, but at the end of the day, they're just people. They just want to be taught to you like normal, just like you and I like having a conversation here. I guarantee you, you pull one of those wheelchair rugby guys in and uh, they're going to have you on the floor rolling, laughing harder than I am because <laughs> they're, they're a mess. And, uh, I, that goes for all the athletes actually. And that's, they're just athletes that at the yeah, end of the day, they're just athletes and even are. people that are not athletes or athletics, there's people that do dance. There's, there's all different ways of living. And, uh, some are just everyday people, just like you and I, <laughs> well, Jen, kudos to you for being involved with the uh, Paralympics. Now let's yeah. uh, transition because you also pre conversation, we talked about goal ball. That's G O A L B A L L for you listeners out there. And, uh, so of course me being quick on the, the typing thing, I went out to YouTube, found some, uh, YouTube videos of uh, goal ball. Uh, cool. Yeah, That's just, it's, it's a, it's a cool. Can you uh, let everybody know what goal ball is? Yeah. So we call it the greatest sport that nobody's ever seen. Um, I think some more people saw it this year from Tokyo. Um, we just got back from winning the silver medal. Um, staff don't get medals, so I didn't have one to bring today, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a great sport. So you have three people on each side, men. So men play men, women play women. Um, but you have three people in the court on each side at a time, the courts about the dimensions of a volleyball court. Um, and then there are goals at each side that span the length of the end of the court, um, that are about four feet high. So I'm short. They're almost as tall as me. I'm five foot four and I'm a, they come up to my shoulders essentially. Wow. So, um, yeah. So the goal is to throw the ball, which has bells in it. Um, and get it into the goal across the court. You got to get it through the three defenders, but there's a few key rules. Everybody has on shades, which look like blacked out ski goggles. Um, so everybody is at no vision, no matter what your visual impairment level is, there is a minimal disability to that. So you have to have a certain level of visual impairment to play. Um, but when the ball is in play, everybody has no vision. Um, 
the, the it's quiet and you have to throw it and it has to touch before what they call the high ball line. And it has to touch the court again before it crosses the long ball line. If it does not, it's a penalty and you go one versus one penalty shot, throwing it, getting it. So how do, how, if I'm, if I'm got the goggles on, I can't see anything. Mm -hmm. How do I know that I've gone, I've I've thrown an accurate ball or or whatever. A a lot of training, (laughs) a lot of training, but they know where they are on court. So actually the court has um, what looks like just regular lines on it um, with hash marks and stuff, but actually under those lines is a cord or wire of some sort that they tape over. And so there's different hashes to indicate if you're on the left wing, the right wing or in center. And um, you'll see that they use their hand. They'll fill on the court, filling for the, that wire marking um, to know where they are on the court. When they throw, it's just a lot of practice. These guys do spin moves to throw. And I can tell you, if I did it, um, I'd be hitting the people on the bench or yeah. the, the, the media crew on the other side. It would not be pretty. So <laughs> it, 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 it is. It's a facet. Uh, when I was watching it and, and, and because of the visual impairment and what they were doing, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, it's, it's a fascinating, but I have to have some, some level of uh, disability to be able to play, but I would imagine yeah. there, there could be goal balls out there. And I don't, I mean, it, it could just be me <laughs> with goggles on, not looking pretty and, <laughs> and, but trying my darndest that, that right, probably right. could happen too. Right? It could. And there is club level. So in the U S we have club level. Um, we don't have professional, but we do have club level. Um, so if you're interested in the sport, I would, and I would invite you to look and see if there is a club level, um, in your area, if nothing else to give support, like lots of varying yeah. ages of participants from youth all the way up to, um, adults at up in age. Um, actually two of my athletes are 42 years old. Um, now they train hard and they, they work hard to keep their bodies in shape and that kind of stuff. But, um, it, it's not to say that it is just for the young ones. You see normally a younger population, just like most sports, but, right. um, it's a lot of eight different ages can play. So let's, let's talk about sort of the training of, uh, these goal ball athletes. Mm-hmm. What do you, what are you focused on? What, what is, what is your primary, uh, objective with the uh, training with these individuals? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I work more on the sports uh, medicine side. So my goal is to keep them healthy. And so we do a lot of shoulder maintenance because of the throwing. Uh, we do a whole lot of hip mobility because they're on their hips a good bit when they're defending. So when they're defending, they are on laying, essentially they end up laying on their side on the court, um, and extend out, um, arms always in front of the face, because if not, you'll take what we call a face shot. And, uh, those lead to concussions sometimes. So we don't want to get hit in the face. (laughs) So here's another interesting fact about the sport once. So the officials check the shades before everybody puts them on. Once the shades are on, you cannot touch them at all. You can't adjust them or anything unless you get an equipment check, um, or you are in halftime or after or before the game. So once they're on, they cannot touch their face, like, or the shades at least. Because they're trying to prevent cheating. Don't cheat. Yes. So face shots will usually some, most of the time lead to uh, equipment checks where that has to be fixed, but it's pretty entertaining when somebody gets their shades knocked off. It's that's what we had a running term in Tokyo. We called it makeup. We're, we're smearing some makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. But here's an interesting thing because you, 
there are penalties if you make noise. I mean, it's, it's tough not mm-hmm. to cheer and all that stuff. And you, you make a great stop. You got the ball, you, whatever. But, but I can see how if, if you prevent people from seeing and you that's a big deal, right? And yep. so you have to depend on and on the, the hearing. And if there's noise, mm-hmm. you can't hear. Yet the ball, tell us a little bit about the ball. Yeah. So the ball has bills in it. Um, it's a little bit bigger than the size of a basketball. It almost reminds me like the texture of it. It's hard, um, but it softens the more you use it. Um, it reminds me of the old school dodgeballs before they became really pliable, like the hardcore <laughs> ones, um, but a little bit bigger than a basketball. So that's the, about the size of them. And uh, yeah, they, the, these guys and gals, they can hum them. Um, I don't know that they've ever been actually clocked, but I've heard some rumors that they can go anywhere from 45 to 60 miles per hour if they're slung just right. So yeah, think about laying on your stomach or on your side and taking a hit in the stomach from a, a old school, hard dodgeball at 45 to 60 miles yeah. per hour. It's, uh, Do you ever get anybody <laughs> up there that says, oh, that, that hurt. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Darn it. I quit. <laughs> right. Get me off of this thing. There's an adjustment. So yeah, but from the training side, the the biggest thing is, you know, sports medicine wise prevention of injury is always key. And so maintenance of the shoulders, maintenance of the hips, um, flexibility. We actually just had a um, staff debrief call post Tokyo. And we talked about, you know, some things that we did really well and some things we could work on. And it seems like no matter what, it's always mobility is key for any sport. And so just reiterating areas that we need to work on there and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's a good time because it's challenging. Um, a lot of times when you go to describe exercises and that kind of stuff for these athletes, you have to be very descriptive because not all of them can see you show it. And so you either have to be super descriptive or even go through, um, actually physically showing them what you want in terms of helping move their body in the way that you want. So, um, once they get it though, you can rock and roll. It's just a matter of adapting how you go about working with them. And and it's not that it can't be done. It's just, you got to adapt it. You just got to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now that we've talked about goalball, now that, uh, I'm impressed with the sport itself and, (laughs) and, uh, the people and the athletes, let's talk about Tokyo. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that journey of the, the, these, how did you select your team, right? How did you select your <laughs> team and then, uh, get to Tokyo? Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So there's a high performance pool. So we have several athletes in the high performance pool, but the coaches essentially go through several training camps where everybody's training together, um, competing, uh, not against each other, but kind of in theory, right? Because at the end of the day, we could only take six with us. Um, and I think at the time we had nine in the performance pool. Um, so we narrowed it down to our top six athletes. Um, right before we went, uh, you had to test for COVID at 92 hours and at 76 hours. And, um, there's a lot of stress that came with those tests because you've trained for not just four years, but now five because of COVID and pushing it back a year. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of extra stress that came with those two tests. We flew over, um, and then you had to test as soon as you landed in, in Tokyo, you had to test again 
And so there's some nerve around that, you know, making sure that everybody's still in the clear. And then we were taken to the venue and it was venue or sorry, to the village, the Paralympic village. And from there, it was village to venue, venue to village. And that's the only thing we saw in Tokyo besides the beautiful view from the, from the village. We were right on the bay um, overlooking the rainbow bridge. And it was, uh, it was super nice to see every morning to wake up, look out the window and see such a beautiful view, but definitely wish we could have seen more of Tokyo outside of just the village and the venue. But what I can tell you, the people of Tokyo, so welcoming, so hospitable, like could not have made that experience any more better. You're walking around and everybody's waving two hand wave. Um, they, they love the two hand uh-huh. wave. And, uh, they're clapping for you. You win, they're clapping for you. You lose, they're clapping for you. They're just happy people. <laughs> so, wow, that is so cool. See, I love yeah. that cultural. Uh, I, I, I like that double hand wave. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to right? adopt it. <laughs> it. It's everywhere. Now I, I, I catch myself. I'll do it when I'm walking through work just to see if anybody will do it back. And it's kind of entertaining at this point. <laughs> the two hand yeah, but, but come on it makes you feel pretty special i like that it does it does it's fun so so when you when you have your top uh six you've decided your top six mm-hmm. do, do they just did they just come from uh the alabama area or is it sort of a, a national thing no so it's national and actually we i'm the only one from alabama on the as the uh, athletic trainer um uh, we had um a young lady from this originally from peachtree city georgia um we have um two young ladies that are originally from Portland, Oregon, um, one from New Jersey originally that lives in. So Fort Wayne, Indiana is where our residency program is located out of at the Turnstone center. And, um, that a lot of them have moved to, well, prior to the, to the Paralympics moved to Fort Wayne to train as, as true resident athletes. And so we have, um, a young lady from Utah, young lady right. from Columbus, Ohio. So yeah, all over the U S um, represented. And, uh, one of the Portland, Oregon ladies is actually originally from Michigan. So it is, it's interesting. We pull from all over the U S that's where those club teams come in handy. That's where yeah. you add to the high performance pool and, um, the residency program itself, and then picked our team and went from there. So, and then it's up to me to keep them, keep them healthy while we're there. Uh, <laughs> were you was, specifically uh, with the women or the men or both? Yeah. The women, the women, the, women. the men and, have their own athletic trainer. Yeah. Adam, he's good. So dude. you rotate the, the, the three it's, three and then you if you have a team of six you can rotate it yep so it, yeah. you get five timeouts in a game and five subs so those subs can actually become very useful as timeouts essentially right because you get a stoppage of play you have to the officials have to check the shades and so as you get late into gameplay a lot of times you'll see these subs happen very quickly because you usually have your, you know, your top athletes, just like any sport and you roll with them. But if you need a change in pace, you sub out. And our whole motto going into Tokyo was we were six deep, all six players completely capable of being on the court at any time and no worries, no matter who the six were. And so we were very lucky in that. I think that's what carried us as far as we got carried. Um, the semifinal game was actually what being called one of the best in goalball history. So Pretty cool that to be a part of that against Brazil. One, right? That was the Brazil. Yeah, Brazil that was Brazil. One. Oh, okay. Yeah. We got to look at that one. Uh, <laughs> Definitely and, and check who, it out. Uh, semifinal. <laughs> who took the gold? 
uh, Turkey, Turkey took the gold, which they were the reigning Paralympic champs. We beat them in pool play. Yeah, we, we beat Turkey in pool play. And, uh, that was the first time we beat them in over a decade. That was a really big win for our yeah. team. We beat Russia in pool or in the quarterfinals. That was the first time we beat Russia in five, six years, maybe even longer. Um, we had already beat Brazil once in pool play and had to play them again in the semis. Um, so play in Turkey again, I, you know, we got bit by the injury bug a little bit late in the game. And, uh, I would like to think if we were 100% that, you know, I think we would have seen something a little different, but at the same time, my girls played their hearts out. And I can tell you that Turkey got that win, but, uh, we were the Cinderella team of that whole tournament at three, four different games. We came down from being down to nothing. We'd be down at halftime and just rally back like this team was scrappy they did not give up and uh i you know we're dang proud of that silver wow. very very dang proud of that silver. usa so, usa right usa all day <laughs> <laughs> all the way <laughs> now uh one last question before we wrap it up uh, right. positions are there specific positions yeah. and time how long does uh, a typical match last yeah so there are 12 minute halves with a three minute halftime um, and that has kind of evolved over the years. I believe at one point it used to be 10 minute halves, but currently it's 12 minute halves with a three minute halftime. So relatively quick games, but at the same time, it's amazing how 12 minutes for a half can stretch out super long. You feel like it's taken forever, right. especially when you're holding your breath in those high intense games, right? Um, there are three positions. So you've got your, you've got three on the court at a time. You've got your center, which is the person in the middle, your left wing and your right wing. And every team does it different in how they line those people up in terms of how far up on the team line you get, how far back closer to the net. It's all defensive strategy, right? Um, they, huh. yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, the timing part of it, even though, like I said, it's only 12 minute halves. Um, it, it, can seem like a lifetime. And in the Brazil game, if you go back and watch that semifinal game, you'll see that we took it into extra time and extra time is sudden death, three minutes. If that one expires, you do a second one, extra time, three minutes, and it, it's sudden death. And if that expires and you go into extra throws and it's like soccer where you line up one versus one and you throw, defend, throw, defend, throw, defend, you have your six and all six line up and all, all on each side, right? And you go one versus one, and that's what happened in the Brazil game. That's why they're calling it one of the greatest. It went down wow. to the uh, sixth thrower for Brazil. And our sixth player, who had only played in one other game for the Paralympics um, for that for Tokyo, wow. uh, Mindy Cook, she came in in that sixth spot and just defended the crap out of it. And um, funny side story, did it without hip pads on. So they wear hip pads. And she did it without hip pads on because she would given them to a teammate. Um, earlier for that game for different reasons, but she did not have hip pads on and she still defended the crap out of it. So super proud of her, super proud of how that turned out. There was such a great, I, I just forever, said, I forever. We'll never I would be <laughs> an absolutely awful coach because if I have to be quiet, I don't know, man. I would just be it's, awful. It's tough. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of fist pumping in the air and a lot of facial expressions and a God. lot of elbowing each other on the bench and all that good stuff. Gosh, so. that is just so cool. Yeah. What, I, I said one last question. Well, last time, but this is one last question. <laughs> all right. uh, expand. Uh, just sort of what is we 
the 15. What is that organization? Yep. So we, the 15 is a campaign that, um, the, the international Paralympic committee is running with a whole lot of different sponsors. And essentially it's just bringing light to the fact that 15% of the population has a disability of some sort, and that there are a lot of inequalities that happen for that population. Um, and, you know, for example, you go to a park, you don't, you know, with your kids, you don't think about the accessibility of that park, yeah. but somebody in a wheelchair thinks about the accessibility of that park. Um, when you get ready to cross the street, a lot of people don't realize, but a lot of crosswalks have the, the bubbled up before you actually go into the road, it's kind of bubbled up and it's rough. That's actually for visually impaired people. Um, and it, it's an indicator that the sidewalk is ending and you are about to go onto, onto the road. When you hear um, traffic signals that have audible beeps and sounds and and talk of wait or go or those kind of things, that's how people with visual impairments know if they're in a safe crosswalk situation, right? And so it's things that we hear and and we see every day. Ramps, you know, it's something you see but you don't think a lot of or always think about. But it, th- those things are super important to people with disability. And so it, it's important to remember, you know, in a, in the day of a, an age of equity and inclusion, um, we don't want to forget about the 15% of the population that has um, disabilities. They are people just like we, I said earlier, they are people just like you and I, they want to be treated as such and they deserve to be treated as such. So um, we, the 15 is a big campaign around that. You're going to start seeing a lot of media around it. Um, they introduced it at the Paralympics, which this year NBC provided the most coverage they've ever provided on NBC sports and primetime um, around the Paralympics. We want to see it be more. We know how great the Paralympics are. We want the rest of the world to know that. And I think this year it called on a little bit more. We're seeing a lot more of it in the media. Um, but we still have a long ways to go. You know, I, I said earlier that the Paralympics was created to be parallel to the Olympics. And um, there's still a long ways to go to get that true parallel going. Um, we've come a long way. Don't get me wrong, but there is still so far that we can go. And um, as an athletic trainer, it, it's really cool to um, to see that and, and to be a small part of it in terms of working with these athletes on the side, outside of the full-time job. Um, but it, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to have been a part of this community for the last 15 years and to continue to help advocate for them because they deserve it. They're good people. <laughs> I'm out there on the website, by the way, yeah. we, the 15, <clears throat> we, the 15.org. That's where it's at. Yeah. And, uh, I'm rooting around and I'm, <laughs> God, you can't help but be inspired, right? You're looking right. at this you website. Watch and you're the going, Come on. I tell you, you go watch the commercial for it. They did a great job with it. And you'll actually end up laughing through a good part of that commercial because of how much they just show how they're humans, they're people, and they're funny. And I like, you know, they do adult activities, oh. if you know what I mean. Like they they play sport. Like there's all these different things. There's all these misconceptions. And uh, one of my favorite things is they put this um Indonesian lady on the arm and uh, she said, you know, yes, I'm praying, but I'm not praying for a cure. I'm praying for a new handbag. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, yes. it just puts, it paints it into reality of, you know, there are a lot of things these people deal with and they're not looking for a cure. They're looking to just go live life and live it just like the rest of us that don't have Love disability it. do. Love it. <laughs> All right. For the listeners out there, uh, Jen, you might've inspired some to get involved. How do they contact yeah. you? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, there are a lot of Jennifer Browns in this world. So yeah, like Instagram, Steve Smith. 
<laughs> right? Um, on Instagram, it's at J-E-N-N-B-O-2-8. And uh, on Facebook, good luck. It's like, it, it's a mind. Yeah, you know how I found you? I found you. How? <laughs> I, I, I put in Jennifer Brown, comma, uh, uh, ATC. There you go. There and you then go. it popped up and I said, okay, it's at Amazon. It's at Amazon. Amazon, uh, yeah. USA Women's Goalball. Yeah. And go follow USA Women's Goalball. They have a Facebook page. They have an Instagram. I, I All the love for those ladies. They, they mean a lot to me and deserve all They're the followings cool. and recognition you can you can give them for sure. All right. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's absolutely inspiring to have you on In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. Thank you very much, Jen, for being on it. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. That was a cool conversation. You got to admit, huh? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it was. It was. It was fun. Uh, all right, <laughs> listeners, remember to go out to corephysicaltherapy.com. That's corephysicaltherapy.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, that would be your number one location to be able to find those answers quickly and, imp- uh, and simply. No friction there. All right. Jen, thank you again. Thank you.